I'm glad you're all here. I'm my friend, Christina. <laughs> Welcome. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord, to be inside the sanctuary. Oh, my gosh. I mean, what a blessing for us to be able to be in. Thank you, Pastor Joe, <laughs> for, for that. Um, let me pray. Um, I know that it's supposed to be 30 minutes, so I'm going to try to keep it at that. So let me just pray before I begin. Heavenly Father, I just come before you, Lord. Father, I just want to thank you, Father, for this opportunity and privilege to share your holy word, your word that is life, your word that is, gives hope, instruction. And Lord, I just pray, Father, as I've been before you, Lord, and I've learned in a deeper way about your love for me, but most importantly, how I am to love others, Lord. So with great conviction, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would continue to show me and also to display that love to my sisters, my brothers, my family, Father. Lord, I just want you to be glorified tonight. I want you to be pleased. I want you to be blessed. And I want your ladies, your daughters to be ministered to, Father, through the teaching of your holy word, Lord. I love you and I thank you in Jesus' name. Leave my glasses on because I can't see without it. Can you hear me? Is this okay? It's good? Okay. I want to make sure there's tissue here because uh, I'm a crybaby. <laughs> it's so neat. I, my sister Deborah, she hands me a tissue because during worship I started crying because Lily, I wrote a little post it, um, like to tell you to write, to sing that song, song, Love. And I'm like, oh, she's singing it. And well, the second one, I can't remember the name of it, the second one. Then the first one, the first John 4, 7 and 8, it's a part of my study. And I was like, I, and I was, didn't dare sing it the way Salty would, so I'm glad you sang it. But I, I was just, I'm just a crybaby, I just am. Okay, so the gift we'll be studying and unwrapping tonight is love. As I began to ask God to help me with this study, I began to pray and I thank God for his love. His love. And as I sat there, and those words came out of my mouth, and I prayed, I really couldn't help but smile. I was saying those words, his love. And then, of course, I began to cry. And I thought, wow, this truly is the greatest gift. And I get to teach on it. The greatest gift given, love. This is the foundation of all the other gifts that he has for us and that we'll be unveiling and teaching about later. And as he has imported, like Kathy said, his love into us, we are to export that love into others. After we were given our gift, do I have it out? I think I do. It was so neat. I'm going to share briefly, quickly, on how we all received our teaching on our studies Kathy, by faith, prayed. She named the, the studies, and she laid them out. She prayed over them, and she wrapped them in these cute little boxes for us, and she asked us to pick them. So we came and we picked them, and I picked love. And so that day when I was leaving, one of the sisters, her and I, we, we met, and we went over, like, which, which, which one did you get, and which one did you get? And she told me the one she got, and she says, and I'm the one with the least gift of that. I can't. I don't have that. 
And then I walked away and thinking, oh, does that mean that I don't have love? Does that mean that I'm loveless? Like, oh my gosh, what does that mean, you know? I thought, well, you know, I can at times be an unlovable person. But I know that it was the Lord that gave me this because through studying this, I've learned deeper on how I am to love. And as I said, I walked away thinking, do I show no love? Am I unlovable? Now, my other study is patience, so I thought, do I have no patience? But perhaps I was given love because, just like my cup of coffee says love, each morning I'm reminded I'm to love. So even though there's other teachers here tonight that could teach on this particular gift much better than I, just with their smile, Linda, with their sweet, soft voice, Lily. Or perhaps I was given this study by faith from God that I can become more lovable. And as I said, God and my family knows I at times am not such a lovable person. I have been very unlovable at times, and I may have even caused you, my fellow sisters, to be tested where it says, to love one another as Christ has loved you. But God, in his God way, has a beautiful way to show us firsthand his love and how we are to give love to others. God demonstrates his love towards us through other people. I had a dear sister and friend that same day that I selected my study love give me a gift, and it was a cross. And the cross says, she confidently trusts the Lord to take care of her. Psalm 12, 7. And I am trusting in the Lord that what he has given me, I am going to give to you tonight in love. Love is both, love to God is both, and man, love to both God and man is essential in our Christian walk whether it is expressed in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. Jesus himself declared that all the law and the prophets hung upon this great love. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four through 40. The first commandment was to love the Lord thy God with all your heart, soul, and mind. The second command is to love thy neighbor. This was an answer to the Pharisees who were trying to test him. Generally, the word love is used too loosely. We can at times dilute its true meaning. The way we use the word love for the most part is to describe our emotions or our strong feelings towards something. Using the word love this way saves us the trouble of trying to figure out what we're really trying to say or feel. We can say we love anything. I love chips and salsa. Oh, I love that blouse you're wearing. I love how she puts her makeup on. Oh, I love your hair. But what we should really be saying is, I really enjoy me some good chips and salsa. I like that blouse you're wearing. It looks so pretty on you. I like the way she wears her makeup. It's really nice. Or, wow, your hair looks really good. Where do you get it done? Now let's look at the Bible. Let's look into the Bible, what it has to say about love and this particular gift that I'll be sharing on. There are four different types of love. Storge, which is an empathy or bond, affection, 
It's all love I have toward my pet, my dog. Phileo is a friend, bond, brotherly love. Eros is a romantic love. Agape, unconditional, God love. That's the kind of love we're to have and that I'm going to teach on tonight. This is the kind of love we give without expecting back. The word love appears in the New King James Bible 322 times. The first time mentioned is in Genesis 22.2. In the New Testament, the first time mentioned is Matthew 5.43. Love is one of the most intense emotions that we as humans can experience. It has a variety of different feelings, states, and attitudes. They range from affection to pleasure, as I just described. Let's turn to our key verse tonight, 1 Peter 4, 8. And it reads, And above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love will cover a multitude of sins. One of the commentaries that I read by David Guzek said, in regard to 1 Peter chapter 4, in the heading it said, Serving God in these last days, and an attitude for end-time believers. And he adds for verses 1 and 2, In these last days we are to have an attitude of commitment. Ladies, aren't we truly living in the last days? I know we've heard that before and time again, but it just really feels the days that we are living in are the last days. So shouldn't we be living with an attitude of love towards each other rather than struggling with each other within the church or outside of the church? There's so much struggling going on. Oh my gosh, you see it all the time in the news. There's just so much struggling going on between people. Matthew Henry wrote regarding 1 Peter, the end of things is at hand. And like Kathy had mentioned, the title of our series is not focused on the last days. However, it is the heart of our series. We do find several exhortations here in 1 Peter. And one of them is, Peter isn't telling us our love at this time is to be towards pagans or idolaters or apostates, but rather the love that he is saying we are to have is among ourselves, among each other. And verse 8 reads, Above all things... At the top of the list, before anything else, we are to have a fervent love for each other. It is important that we love our brothers and sisters today and now with those that we're going to be spending eternity with, right? To have a fervent love is to display love with passion and intensity. We can get pretty passionate and intense about a lot of things. Don't come with me to one of my grandson's baseball games because you will see me get intense and passionate. I'm there. Some people like to get passionate about politics or different things. So why not have a passionate, intense love for the brethren, right? And as mentioned, the Greek word for fervent is intense without ceasing. And without ceasing, we know, is without stopping, I also found fervent to mean to be stretched, to be strained. 
And it does take at times for us to love others a stretch and a strain. I love how Kathy had mentioned the first time the word fervent was mentioned in the Bible was Luke twenty-two fifteen, regarding Jesus, how he described how he fervently wanted to have the Passover before his suffering. With great desire, he wanted to have that. So we too should have with great desire a love for our brothers and sisters, fervent, passionately. To be fervor is needed to advance the kingdom of God. As Jesus was fervent to have that last supper, he knew that it would advance God's work and God's kingdom. This is driven by the spirit-filled Christian. During these difficult times, we are in need to have great passion for the work of God. We need to have a great passion for the advancement of God's kingdom. The Bible is full of accounts showing how passion stirred up action, purpose, and calling in God's people. Solomon had a great heart to be a wise ruler. Elijah had a heart for God's people to turn back to God. Moses had a heart for his people. And Nehemiah had a heart for Jerusalem, all causing them to do work for the Lord. Each of these saints had a deep fervor passion that burned for God, just as our love for each other should be with great fervor and burn with passion. As a rule, we as Christians are to love one another. We are to show affection towards each other with with true and sincere love, caring and wanting the best for them, their well-being, their welfare. I just fly. (laughs) I had a dear sister friend show me this fervent love. While my husband Larry had just had his gallbladder removed, and I was out of work because I had a really high fever, I was out of work for a few days, just on the onset of COVID-19, she was looking out for our well-being, and she brought us a meal. Our affection is not to be cold but rather sincere, strong, and lasting. It should be stable. It says, above all things, showing its importance to God. Above all things, love is first. Colossians 3.14 says, And above all these things, put on charity, which is love, which is the bond of perfectness. It is greater than faith or hope, 1 Corinthians 13 13 tells us, now abide faith, hope, and love, but these three, the greatest is love. And I'll be getting deeper on that later. This scripture in 1 Peter also says, love covers a multitude of sins. This is one of its great and excellent effects. It covers many sins. And the beauty of it, It covers both the sins of the one who is loves and the one being loved. I don't know about you, but when I sin and fall short, I know it brings shame to my Heavenly Father. I don't want my sins broadcasted. I want them covered. First through my repentance and by the love of God. So the same is true. When a sister or brother sins, 
whether it be directly towards us or not. If we are made aware of it, we are to cover them in love. It is the responsibility of true Christians to cover a multitude of sins, to forgive and to forget offenses, to cover, to conceal, rather than to spread them abroad. Jesus does not condone sin, James 5.20 says. But when we truly love someone, our brothers and sisters, we will be grieved knowing of their sin, seeing them hurt themselves and hurting others. Love covers sin in the sense not sharing or spreading their sin, gossiping about them, but rather praying for them. And this is so true because how often have we said to somebody, oh, pray for this sister, and then there you are saying something that maybe you shouldn't have. I mean, if you're sincere about asking for somebody to pray, then that's great. But if you're saying it because you're broadcasting they're wrong, then that's wrong. When we hear of one of our own that has fallen into sin, James 5, 19 and 20 tells us, Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, let him know that he turns a sinner from the air of his way, will save a soul from death and cover a multitude of sins. Galatians 6, 1 through 3 reads and instructs us, Brothers and sisters, if any is overcome by sin, we who are godly with humility and gentleness, help that one back into the right path, being careful that we too don't fall into that same temptation. We are to share each other's burdens, never thinking we are too important to help anyone or someone. And if so, we're only fooling ourselves. We can never think that we can not fall into sin. We, we all fall short. We read in Genesis 9, 22 through 23, the story of Noah's son, Ham. When he found his father drunk naked in the tent, telling his brothers of his father's nakedness, what did the two other brothers do? They covered their father. It says they took a garment, placed it on their shoulders, and walked inside. They didn't even turn their heads. They didn't want to see the sin. They covered the sin of their father, the shame of their father. Abigail covered noble, her husband's sin, and showed love in 1 Samuel 25. You know the story of Abigail. Her husband, Nabal, his name is Scoundrel, he didn't want to help David when his men took care of him. And David found out about it and was going to take him out. And she came and she brought him food. And she said, please forgive him of his sin. So love, again, covers a multitude of sin. To make fun of or mock another sin is foolish, Proverbs 14.9 tells us. Proverbs 10.12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. I'm going to read a quote from a gentleman named Grudem. It says, Where love abounds in true fellowship of the saints, many or small or big offenses should be quick to be overlooked and forgotten and forgiven. 
But now on the other hand, where love is lacking and slacking, every word is looked at with suspicion. Every action is liable to misunderstanding and conflicts are about to happen and all to this, all to Satan's perverse delight. So think about it. We are to not take those people's sins and blow them up. We're to overlook them. Because when we start to look at everybody in a suspicious eye, we're in trouble. If we loved as we're supposed to, many things can and will be overlooked. There will be many things not seen if we look at others through the eyes of Christ in love. But on the other hand, how much we will see when we look at others with the eyes of the flesh and in hate. We hone in on every little thing that we don't like about somebody, ready to jump all over them. Did you see what she did? Did you see what she said? I can't believe that. Right? We look at every little thing. Sad to say, I've been guilty of taking my eyes off of God and viewing others in my own eyes and not loving as I ought to. So you see, I am confident that this study was for me. That the Lord would show me and remind me how I'm to love as he loves me unconditionally. 1 Thessalonians 3.12 says, And the Lord make you, I put in parentheses, me, to increase and abound in love toward one another and toward all men, even as us toward you. Hebrews 13.1 says, tells us we are to love continually without ceasing. We should never say, I fell out of love in regard to our marriages. We are to be committed to our spouses, to our family, to the Lord, number one. 2 Peter 1, 6 and 7 reads, And to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity, which is love. We need patience to love, right? I know. My husband, Larry, he loves me. He loves me. But it takes patience, I know, for him to love me the way he does. I don't test him purposely, don't get me wrong, but I test him. I know that I do. I know that I do. You know, and I was, as I was saying earlier, how I feel so unworthy to, to teach on love in the sense of loving the brethren. Because I told him, you know, Larry, if I could have taught on love on marriage, I could have came up there and said, oh, yeah, you know, love. Because my husband, I know he loves me. I know I love my husband. If it would have been on, on Christ's love for me, I could have taught because I know the love of Christ. I've experienced the love of Christ. But I'm teaching on how we're to love one another I fall short, ladies. I fall short. But I, I, I want to love more, believe me. Ephesians 4.32 reads, And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. That alone right there tells us how we're to love each other. Right? Even as Christ has forgiven me, 
And that's the kind of love we're to have towards each other, whether someone offends you or not. Has anybody ever been offended? (laughs) Right? I mean, we've been offended and we hold a grudge against somebody and, and it's not good. It's just not good. But I was talking with Kathy last night and and it's so beautiful because if you're at that place where you're holding against somebody, something, you know, he will not leave you in that condition. That's the beauty and love of God. You know, I was showing her my little illustration. You know, we could be right here and, and we, you know, God wants to deal with this or whatever it may be. And we may not pay attention to it. Like, all right, you're going to do it again. He'll come around. But that's because he loves us so much. He doesn't want to leave us in that condition or that state or whatever it is that you're dealing with. I love that. And love that word, right? I, I love it. <laughs> we have read the following scripture many times and have referred to it as the love chapter in the Bible, which is 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 8. We can turn there as well. 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 8 and then jumping on to 13, verse 13. It reads, if I speak in tongues or languages of men or of angels, but do not have love, I'm a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I might boast, some manuscript bodies to the flames, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And it reads, love is patient, love is kind. Love does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, does not dishonor others, it does not self, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrong, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. In verse 13, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Verse 5, the latter part says, Keeps no record of wrong. This would be not to forgive, right? You know, in my younger days, when I was first married, boy, did I keep a record of wrong. I mean, the minute Larry and I got in a fight, it was like, well, you did this and you did it. It's like, check, check, check. I would keep a record of wrong. But that was before the Lord. Because now I've learned I'm not to keep a record of wrong. I didn't forgive. We're not to. When we keep a record of wrong, we're holding something against somebody, against a person. To forgive is to love, as love is to forgive. These two go hand in hand. I will not be going too deep into forgiveness, the gift, because we will be having that study in January 2021, taught by one of our great teachers. But I could not talk about love without touching on forgiveness a little. We can never truly 
love like God until we have truly been forgiven by God. When we come to the place of truly understanding how much we have been forgiven because of his love, then we can learn and know how to love others. Right? Isn't that, I mean, that's so true, right? We, can, we can't love others until we've come to that place of understanding God's love for us and asking his forgiveness for all the wrong that we've done. John Corson's commentary on this particular portion of scripture in 1 Corinthians 13, 13 tells us, without love, whatever I say, without love is just noise. God has given us all spiritual gifts in order to build up and to serve one another. Jesus said faith the size of a mustard seed can move mountains, Matthew 17, 20. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians, even if we have all this faith and without love, it amounts to nothing. And just as Peter said, above all things, have fervent love. Paul is also saying we are to have faith and hope and love, but the greatest of these three is love. It is essential in our walk as Christians, as believers, to have faith and hope, but it's the greatest virtue to have love. You know, I thought about this particular portion of Scripture where it says if we, we can have faith of the mustard seed to move mountains— I don't know if you guys remember one time when I taught about my son Larry's accident and a friend from work had given me a little, like a little small rock that had a mustard seed and it was inside of it. And it's so tiny. It's so very tiny. And if we have a small faith, but God is saying our love is to be even better than that or bigger than that. I mean, people were telling me at the time, oh, sister, you had big faith to believe that your son was going to be healed. But if I didn't have love for God, which I know that I did and do, it would have amounted to nothing, right? I mean, love is the greatest virtue of all. It was so awesome on September the 27th, our Sunday morning service, Pastor Joe had taught out of Ephesians 5, I'm sure you remember. And he touched on how we're to love. In verse 1, it says, therefore, be intimidated imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us in offering the sacrifice to God for a sweet smelling aroma. I don't know about you, but when you're going to teach and like whatever you're teaching on, like if you hear it, like you kind of like just your ear just kind of pops up to it. I think I heard Eva one time the week before saying, he said my message, you know, so we do, we pick up on those things. He said, we are to love as biblical Christians, living our life by the word of God. Our walk is to be different. We'll be known to others how we love. Love is an attribute of God, he said, an attribute of God. God is the source of what we are to be imitators of. To know how to love like this, we must first know his love, as I said. And he said, and I'm so glad Pastor Joyvin said it, it's not easy to love like this. It's not natural. for us to walk in that kind of love. It is only through the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is the greatest proof of love, he said, is undeserved and unlimited forgiveness. Our example of love is Jesus. His love for you and me was sacrificial. 
agape love, unconditional. A love with no strings attached. When we love, we are instructed and with the right intention and motive to do things for others and not expect anything back. Because you know what? If we love expecting something back, we're going to be disappointed always. The end of verse 2 says, Christ loving gave himself as an offering, a sweet aroma. I think of a beautiful scent when I think of that word aroma, like pretty perfume or cedar. I love the smell of cedar or some pretty flowers. His love for us is sweet, and our love for others should also be sweet-smelling, not stinky. It is the nature of our God to love. In 1 John 4, 7 through 11, I love that. I put, I had said, there is no way I'm going to sing the salty song, but you guys sang it. So it's so good. I'm serious. I'm like, how am I going to do it? Beloved, let us love. You know, I'm like, but I'm so glad she sang it. So we know what the verse is. Beloved, let us love one another for love is of God. And everyone who is love is born of God and knows God. He who does not love, he who does not love does not know God for God is love. Right? I think to love like this at times is against our nature. However, the only one thing that I can kind of put to it is a mother's love, right? How we love our children, no matter what. A mother's love comes close, maybe. I'm not comparing it by no means to God's love. But we as mothers, we forgive We love unconditionally. We love even when our children hurt us. We hurt when our children are in sin. We look out for their well-being and interest. We cover their wrongdoings with our prayers. At times, we may even be ashamed to even share the things that they're doing. But of course, we still love them. Just as God still loves us when we fall short, and just as the scripture says, we are to love others as God has loved us. An unnatural love. Pastor Tony had posted on one of his daily devotions um, back in September as well regarding love. And I kind of divided him up the way he had it. Uh, He had them all together, but I divided them. The first half I'm going to share is what love is. And the second half is what love isn't. Love, he wrote, patiently endures difficulties and trials. This could be in your marriage. Love is calm in the face of hostility in the days we're currently living in. Love makes, it through, love makes it through and learns from great difficulties in all relationships. Love never fails, as God loves never fails. And these are the things love isn't. Love does not show animosity for the things others have, which is a form of jealousy. Love does not grandstand to make a show of itself which is pride. Love does not build itself up at the expense of tearing others down, which is competitiveness. Love does not behave inappropriately, which is behaving rudely. Love does not let anger dominate or control its action, getting vengeance. These are all mentioned also, these that are not love, these particular things are all mentioned in the book, Respectable Sins. I had went and attended a great women's Bible study at Calvary Chapel, El Monte, and the, top, the study was on respectable sins. 
And these are things that we could be okay with. Like, oh, it's okay. I mean, you, you kind of, but they're sins and they're wrong. We shouldn't love like that. And they're actually not even loving. Galatians 5, 6 to 26, starting with verse 16, tells, pardon me, 5, 16 through 26, starting with 16, tells us, So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what is sinful and natural desires. So in this sense, it is against our nature to love as we are supposed to. And the following verses in Galatians say, All the things listed that are evil that one may fall into if they are not followed and living by the Spirit. Verse 22 being a key verse. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We need the Holy Spirit to produce and cultivate and develop and help us grow in love. We are to love one another is a vital and necessary phrase in our lives as Christians. This phrase, love one another, is found at least a dozen times in the New Testament, along with edify one another and pray for one another. I think I show my love best for others when I pray for them. It would be nice if I could lavish my friends and family with material gifts with a limitless budget, but that's not the case for me. However, there is a great gift that we can give our prayers, which is motivated by love, and this costs us nothing. But it is a gift that keeps on giving. When we pray for others, we become deeper, we become closer to God in his presence, and closer we are to God the more we spend time with him. That's when we begin to reflect him more. James 5.16 says, The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Amen. John 13, 34 and 35. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The word new here is not in regard to something new that they were to be doing, but rather a new type of love for one another, a fresh love, not a stale kind of love. I think this is a great way to describe the type of love that we're to have, fresh, not stale. This makes me think of fruit and bread. I love both. So when I'm in the mood for a good piece of fruit, I certainly don't want a stale old piece of fruit. I want it to be fresh. The same with the piece of bread. There is nothing more satisfying to me than a freshly baked piece of bread. You can taste right off the first bite if that bread is fresh or stale or old. No one likes stale or molded bread or fruit, right? I listened to some sermons in regard to this verse. And one particular um, pastor gave a great message on this. And he said, if you are true followers of Christ, you are under authority, his authority. Jesus is more than the master of our lives. He has authority over us. He has commanded us to love each other, even if we don't like someone in the church or at work. We are to love them. It's not an option. In the popular comic strip Peanuts, 
Lucy asks Charlie Brown, Why are we here on earth? He replies, To make others happy. She ponders for a while, then asks, Then why are there other people here? So she's saying, like, yeah, I could love if there wasn't anybody else around, right? But no, that's that's the strain. That's the we have to love even those unlovable people. It's always easy to love those that are lovable, nice, and altogether lovely. It is the others we find it difficult to love. Those that rub us the wrong way, we are still commanded to love them. In doing so, we truly are being Christ-like, displaying Christ in me. God loves us even when we're unlovable, right? We are to love without hypocrisy, Romans 12, 9 tells us. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Don't act like we care or love someone when we don't. And that's what a hypocrite is. It's acting. There are a few things that brought down Jesus' wrath like hypocrisy. Matthew 23, 25, and 27 says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean, you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but the inside you are all full of greed and self-indulgence. Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and with all uncleanliness. Hypocrisy shows itself when we have hide internal sin by putting on a moral external front. We can fake it. We can come across like, oh, sister, you know, I mean, but that's being a hypocrite. And God calls it out, right? You hypocrite. He'll come right and say it. We can't be. The new commandment in, the, in this is in an all-inclusive command. Love one another as I have loved you. That's supreme love. That's self-sacrificing love. A love that gives. This is the kind of love he wants us to have for each other. His love for us was the ultimate and supreme love. He gave himself for us. And yes, believe it or not, that is the type of love we are to have for one another. When we display this kind of love, it lets the world know we are his, his followers, his true disciples. The responsibility of the disciples was to love one another just as Christ had loved them. Again, this word new does not mean a new thing for a new time because we know that even in the Old Testament, love was just as important to God. Leviticus 19.18 says, Do not seek vengeance or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Deuteronomy 10.19 says, Therefore, love the stranger, for you too were strangers in the land of Egypt. So you see, love even in the Old Testament was just as important. In closing, if we are honest with God, ourselves, and others, wouldn't it be true to say we want to be loved? We want to be accepted? We want to feel apart? Even as imperfect people that we are, we want to be loved. Tonight, I touch briefly on how we are to fervently love one another. We are to care for the well-being of others. 
maybe by giving a sweet gesture of a gift, as my friend gave me. Meeting the needs of others. This is how we are to love each other. And it may strain and stretch us at times. But it is through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because you know what? We can't do it in ourselves. I love this portion of scripture because it is God who truly teaches us how to love. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9 reads, But concerning brotherly love, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves are taught by God on how to love one another. So truly, you didn't need me to come up here to teach you on God's love. You have God's word to teach you on how to love one another, right? The application of God's word brings both blessing to you and glory to God. So may we love others with the love God loved us with. We are to love first God with all of our heart, soul, and mind without reservation. We're to love our spouses, our children, our family, and the body of Christ. My challenge to the believer tonight is to love deeper, to love with more fervency as Christ has commanded. Perhaps there's somebody here who's lukewarm, maybe not where they should be in Christ. I would pray that you come back to your first love and once again love as you should. To the non-believer, if there's any here tonight, I would say, Maybe you're asking, how can I experience first the love and forgiveness of God that he has for me, that I too may love others as I've been instructed to? Matthew 5, 16 says, In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good works and glorify your God, your Father in heaven. And I brought my little candle that my friend gave me that says love. And it says, let our light shine, right? Let our light of love shine that we may glorify our Father in heaven. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just come before you, Lord. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word, Lord, that um, taught me in a deeper way, Lord, how I am to love, Lord, and where I fell short. So I pray for my sisters, Father God, that, um, that they would first, Father God, always remember their, your love for them. And that's how they're to love others, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you were pleased and blessed with the teaching of your word, Father. I love you, Lord, and I thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.